Want to help keep the lights on in Anarchy Basement? Then go to PRLfans.com. There you can find links to Patreon, PayPal, our Bitcoin info, and other ways to help support the podcast. Now, enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the Punk Rock Libertarians podcast, episode number 475. I'm Otto, and tonight I'm joined with Victor Charlie. Good to see you guys. Glad to be here. And there's the voluntarist, James Babb. Hello. And uh, special guest, Mr. Kyle Anzalone. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, thanks for thanks for joining us, man. It's like when you slum it up with us, man, we really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Usually we're just talking about ridiculous things. So we're gonna talk about a few some serious things like like the serious anniversary of the of the awful insurrection that happened. Yeah, where were you guys? I, I mean, hold on, I gotta I gotta I'm holding back my tears, man. I just oh, it's tough. We, we so almost sad. lost our democracy. Our, oh, oh, our democracy, oh. man. Oh. <laughs> we almost lost it. <laughs> it was this close. Oh. So close. And we should mention that Kyle is with the Libertarian Institute, of course. So and antiwar.com. And antiwar.com. So we got some credentials in the house this time. It's not just our uninformed opinions. We actually have somebody <laughs> that that's done research and, and read read stuff. So we actually have a journalist here. Yeah, yeah, somewhat credible <laughs> than us just making wild assertions. We yeah, we're all deniability because technically we're just—I I wouldn't even use the word comedian, but we're just <laughs> attempted comedians, right? So yeah. we don't actually have to have to be accurate. No, <laughs> no, usually, and I mean, I'd say I'd say we're good, like over fifty percent. We're accurate in some I mean, of the better than mainstream media, of course. Right? Oh, you know, right, clearly. So yeah. uh, I, I, you guys see the, oh man, I wish I had, oh, we're sorry guys. We were dealing with so many, I don't even say so many, just one technical issue <laughs> before the show. I forgot to get the links in, man. I'm sorry. Of course, this is the, the reputable podcast. You need, Kyle even asked like how long we've been, how long you guys been a, a podcast for? This is why we don't succeed. Cause <laughs> <laughs> you think it'd be more professional by now. Yeah. But I was yeah. wondering if you guys, Alex, I guess if you could look it up and find, oh yeah. Uh, the what was the I forget who it was. It was one of the the corporate press anchors who started crying. Oh and yeah, was, yeah. Here we go. Like, so this was um, I think it's the MSNBC I, guy, right? Yeah. Okay, oh, part. Yeah. Um, this is oh, my touching. It was touching. <laughs> it it was. And uh, give me a second here. But oh, so where were you guys on January sixth? Where where were you on that day of infamy? That you know is i watched it i watched it happen like i was on twitter all day I, i was on twitter all day so i gotta see all the live feeds all the different angles of all this happening and i gotta say when i watched it a lot of it reminded me more of a black lives matter protest from 2020 than a coup d'etat and a big part of the reason why is the police were obviously instigating the crowd the entire time and doing the same stupid stuff they were doing all summer to the BLM protesters, like firing tear gas into the middle of the crowd. So everybody from the middle forward has to push forward to try to get away from the tear gas. And then when the crowd surges up into the police lines, they start beating the hell out of the people in the very front and it escalates this huge conflict. Right. And there's a lot of very stupid people in the Capitol. Like, it's a bad idea to kick and break your way into the U.S. Capitol building. Right. Like, you should not do that. It's not a good unless you've got unless you've got proper backup. Okay, let's just say that wasn't that that wasn't the 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 team that was going to get away with that. Right. Right. But yeah, but exactly like, you know, it, it went exactly what you thought. You know, I've never seen a coup where one person gets shot and everybody goes home for dinner. Right. Like that's not how coup d'etat. No. And that's essentially <laughs> what happened. That thing was over by like three or four o'clock that day. I think by five o'clock, everybody was out of the Capitol. Right. And it, it was like it felt like a session watching like, it. Didn't they, hold, like, they actually held a session that night. So it right. wasn't like. Yeah. Right. It, it, the building wasn't even destroyed. The people stayed within the velvet <laughs> the ropes. Sacred Hall yeah. of Democracy. Nancy Pelosi's it's sacred. office. Sacred. Sacred. 
Her death yeah, got farted on. Her okay. office was destroyed, but you know that's the punishment for being the evil witch. Is oh, that, but no, this know, is defiling. Speaking of defiling the halls of Congress, uh, wasn't there an, another recent scandal uh, involving? <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> some, some senators or. <laughs> Yeah, if only they had gone into the Senate chambers and had a giant orgy with each other, uh, they probably would have gotten away with the thing. But like, even uh, that's not half as bad as the shit that they they do there when when everyone's dressed up and where, where right. how come people how come people didn't feel like that was a threat to their democracy, you know, and, and are there sacred halls? Well, and then, you know, the, the congressman being afraid on one sits and cowering and things like that. How many people around the world have, you know, actually been victims of, of the bombs that were, you know, sent by our congressman? But how many people have just had a cower in fear? Like they had an experience one day of being afraid for their lives. Maybe think about how everybody else in the Middle East feels now every day because of you people. Like, you know, in, in that way, maybe the congressman could just like taking it as an experience that you know being afraid for your life is really scary and it really sucks and maybe you don't want to do that to other people all the time but, but. You, the, the thing to learn that lesson they would have actually had to have been scared for their lives and not just yeah. pretending for the media okay oh i think some of them were anybody, scared for their I, lives. I, really I don't think so Really? Oh, they're really dumb. Yeah, yeah. No, I think a lot of them were scared. Like, I think a certain congresswoman who was crying on her live feed again was and is legitimately scared, not of the the actual events, but her, you know, warped perception uh, perception of them. But are you talking about AOC? Wasn't she yeah. like in a completely different room and stuff yeah, anyway? Like she wasn't anywhere like near the 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 insurrection. Right. Like. I know I know a large part of her story was uh, I heard somebody coming down the hallway and I was scared for my life and it turned out to be a police officer checking on me. So uh, I yeah. do remember her story being very empty. And, and that's a lot of what happened that day. Again, you know, kicking down and breaking into the Capitol building was a terrible idea of the Trump protesters. Well, a lot especially of people got, got when, just got let in, though. A lot of people were just yeah, like, right. this, is, this is the tour group right that in. I signed up for. You know, right. and <laughs> That's a nonviolent protest, right? Walking into a building is a nonviolent protest. And so especially when the, when, the, when the cops are opening the doors for you, get, answering your questions, showing yeah. you where let's, people's offices uh, are. I think Let's this is the, on this. the mainstream this media. Is this is this is how they wanted you to make you, you know, re, yeah, you know, feel. They, they wanted to stir up these emotions. I'm gonna try again. to get through this. Um, <laughs> We're gonna just try. Thank you <laughs> for what oh, you no. did three years ago today. Um, was, please, was he the one that shot Ashley your Babbitt? thoughts um, on this third anniversary? No, that was that was a black guy. Uh, um. Is that Ray Epps? Who's who's that? We are uh, still in the midst of the the same fight that began Michael uh, on January sixth, two thousand and twenty-one, um, and we have a lot at, at stake in this country, uh, and I think that it deserves every American's attention. Yeah, we gotta stop Stone? Trump. That guy. We gotta stop Trump. Yeah, so there's that. Yeah. Pathetic. So uh, another thing on one sits. I don't know if you remember this, but the day after one sits, a police officer died, and they started claiming that the protesters killed him. This guy's name nope. was Brian Sitnik, and I knew it the second that that was reported that that wasn't true because nope. the day before the police union had said that it wasn't related to, to what happened on when sits and what has a police union ever downplayed an injury to a police officer, unless it truly was unrelated, which even uh, members of his family have come out and said that he had a stroke. And so, yeah, you, you know, that is vaccine that's related ridiculous, but that was, you know, a, a very change. big lie. They change told. finally caught up with him. <laughs> it was, but that was a very big lie they told to warp the narrative of one since. Now, if you were downplaying it, you were downplaying the death of a police officer. And aren't you just the worst person in the world for doing that? When, you know, that that never happened. The people who died on one sits were a bunch of Trump protesters who had heart attacks. I think one person tased themselves and ended up dying of like a stroke or a heart attack. And of course, Ashley Babbitt, who was killed by the Capitol Police officer or Straight somebody in the Capitol. I don't know who, who generated the story about the cop getting beat to death with a fire extinguisher. 
Like so that was a real specific narrative that got put. I bet you, yeah. I bet you, you could find like uh, five out of 10 people believe that's true today. Oh, I'm sure. Just like Russia, you know, broke into the voting machines and changed the numbers to give the election to Donald Trump. You know, there's still probably a good number of Democrats who would believe that. There was the the Russian problem, the collusion problem. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Dude, like it was, it was, it just, it had all, all the hallmarks of of disinformation, (laughs) Russian disinformation. This one, uh, I mean, this is what really happened. (laughs) Oh, I'm just sorry, oh, guys. I'm booming it. Yeah. Yeah. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome <laughs> to the US Capitol Building. Join us today for the insurrection. Please make sure you pick up a promotional leaflet on the way in. Stay inside the safety cordons at all times. And if you get lost, speak to one of our Capitol Police officers. They'll be sure to point you in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's walking around taking pictures. Staying in the ropes. Staying into the ropes. Aside a little time today to join us for some insurrection activities, including our photography tour, our fancy dress competition, and have a go on our climbing wall. Climbing wall. Wilhelm scream. That's great. And I've now received the results of our fancy dress competition. The winner today is Jacob Chansley. That's Mr. Jacob Chansley. Look at him walking around. Nearest Capitol Police officer, they'll be sure to give you a prize. A guided tour. Turns out he dresses like that normal. The the police are right behind him. They're walking him through. They're literally guiding him. They're taking selfies with him. For all you people listening, this is just footage of the the We hope you enjoyed the insurrection. Wherever possible, please try to clean up after yourselves. Don't forget to visit the souvenir shop on the way out. And feel free to join us on the outdoor terrace for Nancy Pelosi's insurrection soiree. Grab yourself a light refreshment and enjoy the music of our very own fancy dress competition winner. (laughs) Where's the MAGA meme all? Like, like, what's... Oh my gosh. Right. I mean, he's so, yeah, it's just insane. And they're still doing time. Like, there's people still they're, waiting trial. They're still, still rounding people trial. up. Yeah. They're, they're still pretending still like they're arresting insurrectionists. Like, you know, they're Recipe Erdogan or something four years after the coup, still rounding people up. These, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Do you um do you want to play any video of that Biden speech where he was bragging about like locking people up for 800 years over this? Did yeah, you see this yeah. demented this is... demented uh speech that he I guess like he thought this was like everyone's going to think he's great. Uh but it was some of the creepiest um genocide yeah. Joe I've seen in a while. <laughs> he's very dark and very authoritarian. Cap, 900 of them. Did you guys hear it? I've been convicted yeah. or pled guilty. Collectively, to date, they have been sentenced to more than 840 years in prison. Here's a guy that knows how to send people to prison. I I don't think anybody's going to deny that he's an expert. calling them criminals, he's called these these insurrectionists patriots. They're patriots. And he promised to pardon them if he returns to office. Trump said that there was a lot of love on January the 6th. At least in the Senate room, there was. Yeah. (laughs) The rest of the nation, including law enforcement, saw a lot of hate and violence. Oh, my God. One Capitol Police officer called it a medieval battle. That same officer called vile rape, was called vile racist names. He said he was more afraid. What is medieval fight? What were they pouring like hot? Molten like lava on people, like as they were coming. Right, they all had they all had two handed swords and horses and you know crossbows. Yeah, and people take this guy seriously. Like they take the whole narrative seriously. I I I just don't know how you can't watch him. Like, oh wow, that was like a bad riot at some point, and then it was just an awful like trespassing. Yeah, and to to Kyle's point, I mean, most people believe it. And to Kyle's point, it was a total fucking setup. You know, the same people that are buying the narrative of January 6th are the same people that were out peace, mostly peaceful protests of burning down (laughs) after the George Floyd summer of love. Right. And then the same ones that witnessed the escalation of force that the police often use where they're, you know, tear gas and rubber bullets and crowd control techniques that actually instigate 
the riots and instigate or, or turn peaceful protest into violent, uh, into actual violence. And it, it's like they don't even understand. They can't put two and two together and see like, oh, well, that was totally peaceful. Those protests were totally peaceful. But then looking at January 6th and they can't even like think like maybe this was possibly a setup, an entrapment and the police. And there's video of it. It's just fucking pathetic. These people are so fucking dumb that. Well, and all the testimony and all the testimony. I mean, it looks like there weren't just like like uh, inside there were there weren't just a few plant cops in the group there. I think there were may have been hundreds of cops from all these different federal agencies. It wasn't just Ray Epps. It was just the whole thing was was filled with them like a like a like a Gretchen Whitmer assassination plot. You know, right. like it was it was and, about that credible. And think about what, you know, even a couple dozen people could do to a mob in order to, you know, stoke people to like, you know, engage in this mob mentality kind of rioting that we did see at the Capitol. So when you're talking about hundreds, you know, imagine two things. One, if the, they really wanted to, they probably could have very easily de-escalated the situation, you know, ask the informants to back off and try to cool people off. That probably would have, you know, helped to ease the mob. But, you know, the other way, if you have 200 people in the crowd who feel like, you know, they kind of have immunity, right? They're working for the feds and their goal is to kind of stoke and and continue on. And again, unlike the rest of the people in the mob, they're not so concerned about getting hit by the feds. You know, maybe one of them starts punching the glass outside the Capitol building and that encourages everybody to start, you know, that's one person who moves a barrier and then, you know, you get that mob mentality going. So uh, when you had that many feds, again, even if it was just a couple dozen, but if you're talking really about hundreds uh it could really change the dynamics of you know what that mob is doing and it could turn you know a very rowdy protest into a riot very easily yeah definitely i mean you look at and then you look at some of the i mean a lot of them were had antifa ties or were arrested at protest prior the year prior during the summer of love and then they just showed up and like wait a minute i've seen mug shots of these individuals at like antifa protest right and then you see him rocking like a Trump hat <laughs> or or like Ray Epps to this day. It's like, who the fuck's Ray Epps? Like all that video footage of him instigating and telling people to go in and guiding them up to the gates. And then all those individuals, not at nothing. They're just walking scot-free. Meanwhile, there's people still out here, like you said, Kyle, still, still being pursued by the FBI, still getting knocks at their doors. Uh, visits at their work, like at their workplaces or, um, you know, it, it's pathetic. Like I, I, I think I was, uh, I've met quite a few people. I mean, uh, Otto and myself were in Maryland. Um, Babs is up in the Philadelphia area, but being so close to DC, I know a lot of people that were there maybe outside and that that got knocks on the doors from the FBI or inquiries from them. Like, we're, we're, is this you? We see Facebook posts of you at January 6th, regardless, just because they were there, they're getting visits by the FBI. I mean, we saw billboards in this area in the DMV, like Maryland, Virginia, like with wanted signs for individuals just that happen to be there. Well, one of the disturbing things was how much, you know, on top of the 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 FBI pursuit that the mainstream media really was engaged in. Look, they outed Jad Tetscher, the the Discord leaker, the alleged Discord leaker as well. You know, it was I believe the New York Times who outed him uh, to the the authorities before even telling the people who he was. So, you know, it's really or maybe they actually published it and that's how the FBI found out. But either way, you know, the, the mainstream media, I remember USA Today was really campaigning and trying to round up all these people mm-hmm. and identify all these people and asking the public for tips. And oh, uh, yeah, it was really like, disappointing. It was, became a super snitch on your neighbor event, you know, or your, or your or family your or your parents. Yeah. Yeah, they know they try to make heroes out of kids who tattled on their parents and things like that, like really dystopian kind of stuff. Yeah, they had they had to pivot from like snitching on your neighbor for not complying with the COVID regime to, oh, you were at Jan six. Like they had to continue that snitching on your neighbor. And it's pathetic. I mean, I mean, haven't there been people that have been um, convicted that weren't even there? That were yeah. like, but still somehow just instigators because they made <laughs> like a post somewhere or like, I mean, it's really right. shocking how how far that they've drifted from 
you know, what were, you know, the, what would have been considered, um, you know, some limits or things that, you know, they do this kind of stuff, but they'd have to be quiet about it or they'd have to deny it. And now like, everything's just so blatant. They don't even try to cover it up. It's, they just like, they just, well, we'll just gaslight people, you know, on our controlled media channels and then just assume yeah. it'll all work out. I mean, I really wish I had, you know, kept a, a better track of like all the different lawsuits and who they've come down on. Cause I know, you know, there's people who are basically just walking around in the Capitol who, who really didn't do anything. And, um, you know, maybe you call them trespassers or something like that, but really maybe, you know, they're really just protesters, uh, you know, who have been sentenced to federal jail time and that's, you know, really messed up. But I, I do know, I think it's uh Viva Frey. Is that the lawyer guy who moved to Florida with the big hair? Uh, he's, I think done a pretty good job of keeping up on all this. And whenever I, I look at that, that's kind of who I, I look at to have a, pretty good take on you know how how wrong all of this is happening and, and how you know the the treatment that these people are getting because you know a lot of these people are putting solitary confinement and stuff like that true too i mean that's you know even if the democrat narrative is right and this was an insurrection uh you you're really not supposed to come down on your political uh, opponents by throwing them in solitary confinement for years I, I mean you know that's that's considered torture that's pretty messed up I, I just saw a headline from the, this is from the New York Post. This is from September 19th of 23. FBI lost count of how many paid informants were at Capitol on January 6th and later performed audit to figure out exact number, ex, ex official. So according like this, the FBI like was being grilled by lawmakers evidently. And they said they'd lost track of, they couldn't, they couldn't even calculate how many uh, branches were involved. How many I people. bet that's a lie. They just they just don't want to admit how high that number is. That's that's all that says is that the the number is a lot higher than they want to admit. Because if it was like five, they would just they they figure it out pretty quick and tell them. But it was high enough that they decided it was better to stop counting, which, you know, that's just some government trickery right there. Exactly. And there were there have been some that were counted, um, you know, where they're. I guess due to they they found out that like Proud Boys had like eight informants just in their Proud Boys, you know, and like each of these other groups had other informants just that it infiltrated those groups like the three percenters or mm-hmm. I forget who the other organizer groups were um, like. um Oath Keepers, right? Mm-hmm. Like they each had they each all of these organizations all showed up with their own entourage of feds. You know, like completely, completely uh, briefed on the on what was happening through those groups, completely knew everything that was going on. Well, just like the Whitmer kidnapping plot. And the day after that happened on my show, I said, I bet half of the people involved here are feds are informants. Oh, yeah. And I believe that turned out to be right. There was like 25 people involved and a dozen of them were feds. They were like almost all feds. Weren't they like all feds? About half. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a significant portion. Again, you know, think about how that changes the dynamics in the room. Right. Like if you and your buddies are talking about doing something stupid and half of the people in the room know there's no consequences for them doing something stupid. And in fact, will make money convincing you to do something stupid. you, You know, you just you run away with ideas and you end up, you know, with even not serious plot. It's not like they did anything really getting close to kidnapping the governor of Michigan, but they got closer than they ever would have because there were a bunch of people getting paid to, you know, convince them to think about doing this. Maybe um, we should think about ways like brainstorm ways in advance to deal with these situations when they come up again. Like when I was thinking like maybe play along until they give you a bunch of weapons and explosives and then, right. And then like, you know, turn the tables or, you know, report them to the FBI or, you know what I mean? Like, but somehow get all those weapons, um, but not, not do the crimes that they're trying to talk you into. You know, one thing to add, the reason that I thought it was so obvious now, only the Whitmer plot, but I, and again, you know, especially when it comes to one sense, I think there are, there's a lot of organic energy there. There's a lot of people who are very upset about how that election went. And, 
you know, a couple months after the election, Time Magazine published this article about how an elite cabal influenced the 2020 election and how, uh, you know, the social media algorithms worked and how they covered up the the Hunter Biden uh, laptop story and all that. And so, you know, there's there was a lot of reason for people to be very upset about how that election went. And so, you know, there's a lot of natural energy behind it. But the reason that, you know, it's so easy to pot uh, spot these Fed schemes is because for years they were doing it to Arab and Muslim young men in America. And so whenever they happen now, they're kind of easy to spot because we have dozens, if not hundreds of examples of them doing it over, since 9-11. Yeah. Over and over and over and over and over yep. again. Rinse and repeat. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. It's it's not gonna stop either. Like this is this isn't gonna be the last time any of this stuff keeps going on. And and that's the sad. And that's why that's why if you're, you know, a libertarian listening to this and anybody slides into those DMs and starts talking about any kind of violence, that person is probably a Fed and you should definitely block them. And if not, well, but before you do, please refer them to our Fed level Patreon where (laughs) where people can subscribe. And then we talk about any kind of like illegal activities we have planned. So this is this is just, you know, we're still waiting on a thousand dollars. Yeah, just one yeah. Fed level donor of a thousand dollars a month, and you know when we record the after hours after after this you know episode, we'll tell you all the juicy deets. I'll sing know? like a, oh yeah, sing like a stool pigeon. <laughs> it could be it, who knows what you could learn. It, it might be about um, you know like three D printing guns. It could be uh, right. It could be it could be about cryptocurrency. If you if it be, like, that's my news. Um, it could be. You know what? We might discuss plans to purchase raw milk. You never know what. <laughs> heinous oh, now you're just, now you're we just might, a terrorist. We might cross lines and go up to Amish country and get raw milk. You know, we might cross <laughs> commit felonies of going up to Amish country and purchasing raw milk. You never yeah. know. You know, does anyone? I I. I caught a, a small glimpse of that but do you guys did you guys hear about that that story i mean clearly. yeah so i have it here I, I in the um let me remove um this one story and let me pull it up here but this is a amish farmer in um bird in hand pa great great uh great little town but uh Sounds like, like a place you go to all the time Alex. <laughs> bird in hand. i once played a basketball game there <laughs> <laughs> no but this is a kind of Oh, a little bit of a journey from from Babs, but this is Lancaster County. Here's the report, but um, his farm was raided by the uh, Amish farmer, was raided by the Pennsylvania State Police. Evidently, this guy is like not the compliant. Farm operation here in Burdenham, Pennsylvania. There are currently two marked state trooper vehicles here, three other official use vehicles. I attempted to enter the building inside a state trooper turned me away and said that they are executing a search warrant on Amos Miller's operations here. I've not been able to make contact with Amos Miller yet, but once again, Amos Miller's property here in Burdenhand, Pennsylvania, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, law enforcement is once again harassing Amos Miller for serving his neighbors. And here we have a search warrant being executed, not allowing media to enter the building. Stay tuned for this is a developing story. We will have updates as we have a search warrant being executed on Amos Miller's property right now as I speak. I'm here in Lancaster County, Thank Pennsylvania, you. looking inside the window into Amos yeah, Miller's farm. Oh, my God. This we have is multiple so state troopers inside. We have coolers there on the ground that have been filled with products from Amos Miller's operation raw milk inside amos miller's <laughs> building here for hours not allowing media in searching the premises <laughs> i was told by one of the troopers that they are executing a search warrant uh when i and i was instructed that i cannot be inside again if you follow 72 will be pies you know that he's a local farmer here in lancaster county some- pennsylvania who provides organic products selling, uh, to found some true fly pie. People voluntarily choose to buy from him. I actually just spoke with a customer who came okay. several hours today to purchase products. He's been a customer for 20 years. Never oh, been that's, sick. That's, that's the uh, never gotten sick from, never gotten sick, I should say, from Amos Miller's products. And I hear you have these two men coming over pointing to these coolers. Again, these coolers have at least been partially filled with All my products from Amos my Miller's store. It looks like they will be hauled Good off. Idea. You have these tyrants coming in. 
and uh, searching. And here's the problem with you have these state troopers and these other. I'm assuming they work for the I Pennsylvania mean, Department of Agriculture. These people are at the heart but, uh, of our tyranny so problem in I America. I first heard about this thing was an issue when Ron Paul during the I think it was during the debates or something. Like he was talking about raw milk, and I'm like, wait a minute, what do you mean you, you can't drink raw milk? Like what? <laughs> I I remember that vividly, being like, what the fuck? Like it just that was one of my yeah like my moments or just I remember like it. Well, kind my of understanding my is, you know, all the raw milk products I've seen for sale say um, for animal use or like not for like human consumption. Like they, it's pet food, right? It's how they label yeah. it to as, as as like a workaround, and everybody just kind of winks and laughs and be like, "Ha ha, isn't that stupid?" Right? But I'm not sure what what Amos Miller was doing that was different. I, you know, like. He might have yeah. just been like, I'm not I'm not pretending I'm not fucking around. I'm just doing it. And uh, there's just probably some government official somewhere that decided they don't like the way this guy sells raw milk and that their you know, gift to humanity will be ending this particular sale of raw milk. Meanwhile, nobody in the federal government cares that doors are flying off of Boeing planes. You know, yeah, I'm yeah, like a significant military contractor and oh, several senators, you know, it's not like wait a minute. are you wait, are you a game? Right? Oh, it's so this is this so basically he he was served a warrant by the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture mainly because um he's in the crosshairs of repeated failures to comply with federal farming regulations the USDA has tried to bring Miller's farm into compliance with federal regulations but Amos has yet to come cooperate with the feds and faces fines and jail time i think he's like extra stubborn even for um yeah. The PA Department of Agriculture is conducting a search warrant. Troopers from PA Lancaster are just assisting with the scene security. Anyways, but it's probably, um, yeah, who, who the fuck knows? You get the USDA involved. This is just. Well, more- I, I mean, we all know that the U.S., uh, the United States federal government is deeply concerned about our health. Oh, yeah. And, and they're, yes. they're constantly doing things to just keep us healthy and mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, we're, we've got all the jabs we need and. And uh, <laughs> yeah, making sure the uh, you know pizza is on the food pyramid. Was pizza is a vegetable, and you know uh-huh. what was uh, it, the food pyramid? I was like, wait a minute, you're talking about pizza and hot dogs here. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you're dog whistling to our uh, certain island folk. You know, but, you know, but it's it's also they're uh, they're also concerned about the health of people around the world. Evidently, you know, like sharing sharing depleted uranium. You know, like some some key uh, nutrients that they might not be getting in their diet. Yeah, it's it's disgusting. You know, the fact that you know they probably had the one customer who said twenty five years buying raw milk from this farm, and and the fact that that the federal government wants to get involved, it's just disgusting. I mean, that that's one of the the beautiful things about driving like the part of. I mean, we're south of the, like the Amish country, but that that's like you know all the. Fruits, vegetables, all the, like, you know, cheese, meats, just at your disposal, the self-sufficiency of, of the Amish and then that it's like available to us. And they're just trying to stop that. They're trying to stop, you know, where you know who's providing your food. Food. They're just looking out for the big corporate farmers that just get these giant subsidies and that's it. They don't care about the little guy doing it right and they want to end it. This is all part of like agenda un agenda 2030 and all this like trying to make us we trying to force us to eat the fucking bugs that's what they're trying to do pizza is the eye of the illuminati food pyramid (laughs) there you go thank you andrew you got bill gates buying up farmland right you got him releasing genetically modified mosquitoes in the wild like they're 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 certainly concentrating um, the, into bigger and bigger farms. We've seen what they've done in other countries like Netherlands and Sri Lanka that are trying to implement these World Economic Forum strategies, right? That have just been devastating to farmers. They 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 raged a war across Ukraine and Russia, which is like the like breadbasket of of Europe. Um, you know, it's like they're really uh, like trying to it's really seems like they're trying to attack the food supply remember when we used to have like food plants blowing up every week like yeah yeah was that a conspiracy or were they were like food plants really just like do they really just blow up all the time and that's normal i don't know yeah it's almost like there's a depopulation agenda afoot i don't know (laughs) 
just, just hard, I don't know. Hard to, it's hard to deny it, right? It's yeah. it's like it sounds crazy. Like when you be like, yeah, there's does, a bunch man. of like there's a bunch of billionaires about to have another meeting in Davos or whatnot, and uh, they think there's just too many of you. You know, and, worthless eaters out here. Just yeah, it's. Uh, but so so the Amish are definitely sort of like a leak in their control structure. Mm-hmm. Like if they want to control all food, it might be so they can make sure it has the right drugs and vaccines in the food, right? Or or they or where they shut down supply lines, they want to make sure it's shut down. So if they want to squeeze you. You're, you're you don't have a place to go buy food, right? Like when they to tell you to to start starving. Amish are like, to me, like they're like a, a resource here in Pennsylvania. I feel like if shit goes bad, like they could there could be another lockdown. They might not even know for a long time out there. Yeah, they don't have TVs. Like, they don't have the internet. Yeah, so like what? Like they're just going <laughs> to keep producing food no matter what shit the federal government throws at them. And and exactly. and Amos Miller's a good example. He's like, yeah, they're trying to you know, stop me from making food, but I'm still doing it. Um, I think there's probably others who just have gone on to farming something else. They get that kind of pressure like, okay, I'll raise chickens instead. I'll do, you know, like they're farmers, they can do anything. Yeah. It's a, so definitely supply chains. Um, and this might be a transition into foreign policy, but with, uh, Kyle, maybe this is your realm um, with the Suez Canal being shut down and the whole what's going on in the Red Sea and supply chains. Are you noticing this as well? Like or a potential um, with what's going on in, in the Middle East right now? Yeah, I mean, so a major shipping company said that they it's a Danish shipping company said they are not going to be sending uh, cargo through the Red Sea for the foreseeable future. And apparently this adds about 10 days to cargo ship transit and at least the U.S. government claims this guy increased the cost of food and clothes in the United States by uh, a little bit of money. I'm not I'm not so sure what the impacts are going to be on the U.S. economy and things like that. It does seem like it would impact uh, the European economies quite a bit, not being able to ship things, say, from Asia, China, uh, Southeast Asia into Europe through the Suez Canal and having to go all the way around Africa. Uh, certainly going to add some time and expense to those trips. Uh, but you you know, the U.S. here, their their solution, of course, is to force the Houthis to allow the cargo ships to go through the Red Sea and has, you know, no desire to apply any pressure on Israel to end its campaign in Gaza and, and relieve the situation that way. From the perspective of the Houthis, I, I mean, in Yemen, I think they, they're going to see this as a huge victory. Uh, this is a group that for eight years, since 2015, as long as you guys have been on the air, the Houthis have ruled Yemen. Uh, 80% of the population in the north of that they're country rebels, from the though. capital city. But still, everywhere you go, they're just called rebels, 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 rebels. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they've rebels. been. They've been starved. Huge swaths of the population have been starved. They've been subject to indiscriminate bombing campaigns. 400,000 people, as a conservative estimate, have been killed in the eight-year Saudi war on Yemen. The Houthis was stood but got zero international recognition. A group of uh, Yemenis that was for a long time led by Mansour Hadi, who was elected in a a one-man election that was organized by Hillary Clinton in 2012, was recognized as the international leader of Yemen, even though he lived outside the country in Saudi Arabia the whole time. And only recently did they appoint this like new Southern presidential council that has absolutely no legitimacy in the country either. But now the Houthis have pit to fight and they say it's on behalf of the Palestinians in Israel. So it means that if any country now goes and attacks the Houthis, they're going to war with the Houthis on behalf of Israel. And the Saudis are pushing through a peace deal with the Houthis right now after eight, nine years of conflict. They're, they're finally going through and doing that. And I think the Houthis finally won themselves the regional legitimacy that they fought so hard for. And look, the U.S. really doesn't have an option here. We've seen that the, the Houthis are willing to, to fight a very brutal campaign or, you know, to withstand and hold out in a very brutal campaign. The U.S. and U.K. aren't going to invest what the Saudis did in a massive bombing campaign in, you know, the Houthis have figured out how to withstand that. So 
And, and, you know, they've been under some of the most serious sanctions as anyone in the anywhere in the world. It's been like North Korea in Yemen trying to get aid into that country uh, for most of the past eight, nine years now. So, uh, you, you know, I think this is what the Houthis see as their ultimate fight for legitimacy, at least among the other nations in the Arab world. And, and I think they're going to win it and uh, they're going to claim it's on behalf of the Palestinians. And I guess in at least some respect it is there seems to be a lot solidarity between the Yemeni uh, people and the people of Gaza. But I think, you know, the Houthis probably see this as, you know, a pretty important bid for their their own uh, movement as well. Maybe um, have you heard this theory and um, that Egypt just recently joined the BRICS nations? Could this be like geo- geopolitical reasons for like, um, you know, basically um that we want to reroute the shipping out of the Suez Canal because there's, I guess that that cripples the Egyptian government. This is all, you know, basically so, world reserve currency, currency wars. I'm sure this is an issue for Egypt having the Suez Canal shut down. Another and probably much larger problem that Egypt will face is that the Palestinians pushed, or that the Israelis pushed the two million Palestinians that live in Gaza into the Sinai. Uh, you know, because then those people will then be in the Egyptian territory, and the Egyptian government will have, you know, this massive group of people that just suffered an unbelievable trauma. Now pushed out with absolutely nothing so with the Egypt will have to build and maintain tent cities it'll be a humanitarian nightmare uh, for decades if not generations to come it'll be a large population that'll probably eventually be absorbed into Israel but will have ap- aspirations outside of what the Israeli are not Israeli the the Egyptian people typically want and so it's going to be a major problem for the Egyptians so uh, I, I'm not you know maybe the Egyptian government is willing to suffer uh, a few months hit to their Suez Canal transit fees and stuff like that uh, in order for the Houthis to help bring an expedited end to the war in Gaza before the Egyptians get straddled with all the Palestinians there. Yeah, because I think I saw today, I I don't know if you mentioned, but like Chad is saying they're willing to take in uh, refugees, uh, but it's like Congo. I heard Congo. Yeah. 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 There's three countries that have been mentioned in Israeli media. Uh, there's this Israeli outlet, uh, Zeman something. It's, uh, I believe, the Times of Israel's Hebrew outlet. Uh, but what they have reported a couple times here is, one, the Israelis were looking to basically bribe the Congo into taking uh, the Palestinians. And then today there was a re- or yesterday there was a report that both Chad and Rwanda had agreed to take tens of thousands of Palestinians each and then the is the israelis would i guess offer a uh you know token amount of money to these countries and to the palestinians for going totally not genocidal at all right like has nothing to do with ethnic cleansing right like totally not ethnic cleansing right I, yeah, I mean, this is the you know the definition of ethnic cleansing. Uh, what Israel is doing in Gaza, and you know, it certainly meets the international definition of genocide. I think you know, anytime people say the word genocide, they assume it has to mean the Holocaust, which was you know putting to death sits million Jews. And so uh, anything short of killing millions of people just isn't a, a genocide. And that's not, you know, what the word genocide actually means. It, it you know, means depopulating people with yeah. violence, really. And, and that is certainly what, what the, the Israelis are doing in Gaza. They're thinning the population. And the destruction of the culture by just scattering right. the people and right. to, like, you know, efforts to make sure that languages and religions are banned or or even kids are taken from parents. So they're not raised in the native religions and, you know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, imagine me like, Hey, yeah, sorry. We, we, we bombed your civilization, you know, back to the stone age. Uh, since, but since you don't have a place to live, Oh, look how generous we are. We've, we, we're going to send you to the Congo, you know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, a, a place with rampant eth- ethnic violence already. Yeah. I'm sure that, you know, a few 
uh, hundreds of thousands of Palestinians showing up isn't going to create some rivalries and tensions and issues in in the long run. And it's probably going to be, you know, just another addition to the permanent state of violence that's, you know, played the Congo for, I guess, decades now. Although I'm you it, know, not familiar with all the conflicts in the history of that country. I mean, is it by the time Israel's done in Gaza, right, there's, there's just going to be nowhere for these people to live anyway, right? There's just going to be rubble. Right. So, yeah, no, and I say, well, you have to go somewhere, you know, and then and then they'll just bulldoze in and build more new new Israeli um, like settlements. Right. Yeah. So, no, it seems to me property. that with the, the damage that Israel's already done to the infrastructure in Gaza, if they say just, you know, really continue to restrict aid to a couple hundred trucks going into Gaza a day and don't allow concrete and other rebuilding, you know, infrastructure to enter Gaza, there's no way that place uh, in the conditions. And they're talking about like over half of the buildings in all of Gaza having taken some sort of damage now in uh, like 70 something percent of schools well over over two-thirds of hospitals, uh, the UN shelters there. This was a month ago when there was only, I think, 900,000 people at the UN shelters. I think that number is well over a million now. They were saying there was only one bathroom for every 150 people and one shower uh, per uh, every 750 people. Wow. Uh, the large area that That's Israel is- pork fest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a large area along the, the Mediterranean Sea that's- you know, there's no infrastructure there. It's just, you know, an empty land. And they're forcing all the Palestinians there, but there's no bathrooms. Everybody's just living in tents. And it's, you know, winter-ish conditions right now. So it's raining. It's cold right now in Gaza. Uh, there's sewage backing up everywhere. Disease is spreading around. It sounds uh, more and more like pork fest now that you mentioned it. <laughs> Not right. to make light of the situation. I don't right. mean to make jokes about this tragedy, but. Yeah, We've made fun of worse. Right. No, no, no. I understand. Uh, a little gallows humor helps the situation some. Uh, swallow the pills so I could talk more to the audience about how horrible the, the situation is in Gaza. So I, I know we I, I know we talked about what's going on in Gaza, but I don't know. The LP Georgia made a post that said Israel's an apartheid state, and it got some pushback, even by people in our own circles, like, a lot of people are saying it's not an apartheid state. Like there's plenty of Muslim citizens there. And what about the Jewish citizens of other Muslim countries? And how, how is it not the same there? And I, I just, it's so frustrating. Cause like, I, I, for me, like as someone like, it just like, it just, it comes, it clicks to me. It's like, yeah, like I'm sure Jewish citizens are probably treated like shit in other countries. If they're even allowed to, it's collectivism, it's collectivism in the brain yeah. and it clogs your thought process and they can't come up with a, with a rational perspective while they're stuck in this paradigm of collectivism of, of well, Jews and Muslims it, and states. I just, and just imagine being, be thinking that, you know, it, it, you know, say like during Jim Crow or something, the U S was pointing towards the, our, yeah, I guess, you know, finding some African country where the black people suppress the white people and saying, yeah, we treat our blacks bad here, but look at how they treat their white people in Africa, you know, chasing them around and yeah. killing them. That completely justify that, you know, that actually makes the, the opposite point that you're trying to make, right? You're you're right. kind of admitting that Israel is committing humanitarian crimes against the Palestinians by saying, oh, look how bad at least Jews are treated in countries where I perceive they're treated bad like that. It's just a really stupid definitely point, at least is a stupid argument to make. So I guess the simple kind of perspective here is, you know, Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, the office of the UN, uh, some schools in Harvard have named Israel an apartheid state. And look, those are all pretty establishment organizations. And Israel is a part of the U.S. empire. And so, you know, I, I find those to be more emissions than actual like, you know, propaganda against Israel. But, you know, let's say you don't believe me, uh, you know, when we so get into a little bit more detail, when you talk about 
Israel, right? There, there's different regions where the Palestinians are treated drastically differently. So there's Palestinians that make up about 20% of the Israeli population. And these aren't people who live in the West Bank or the Gaza Strip. These, you know, the people that live in Israel proper. And, you know, these Palestinians are treated fairly poorly, but they can go out and vote. They do have uh, members of the Knesset who represent them in, in the Israeli legislature, although there is a strict tradition in Israel not to let any uh, Arab members of the Knesset become ministers in the Israeli government. So essentially, they're always, you know, in Israel, there is a majority party and an opposition. And then the Arab uh, kind of coalition within the Knesset. And most of the time, the other two groups would rather not form a majority coalition than include the Arabs in their coalition, right? So, yeah. yes, you know, they, they are kind of involved in the government, but the Israelis work very hard to make sure they're excluded. The Israelis have a specific Jewish nation state law declaring that Israel is, you know, the land for the Jewish people. And so, the, the 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 Palestinians who live in Israel are certainly second class citizens, and I don't want to minimize the suffering presented to them. I'm sure you know. Look, if any libertarian lived like a Palestinian that lived in Israel proper, you know, at least the things they say they would do to resist the U.S. government, they they would certainly be resisting the Israeli government if they were a Palestinian living in Israel. However, I you know I don't know if that actually raises to apartheid, but where it certainly does is the West Bank, where you have settler-only roads. Israel our Palestinian children to go to school often have to cross multiple checkpoints uh, operated by Israeli soldiers. Palestinian children are shot and killed by Israeli soldiers for things like throwing rods at Israeli uh, troops. They conduct midnight raids to round up kids as young as eight, nine-year-olds from their bedrooms in the West Bank. Um, you know, hundreds of kids are in Israeli, Palestinian kids are in Israeli courts in the West Bank where they use the Hebrew language. And so it's, you know, conducted outside a language that these children even know. Most Palestinian children have spent some time in an Israeli prison, are detained by Israeli soldiers. Right now, you know, you have mainstream, again, international aid groups like uh, Doctors Without Borders documenting cases in the West Bank of just rampant violence by either the Israeli military or just Israeli citizens who live out in the West Bank, you know, either beating up Palestinians who try to go out and pit their olives during harvest season or cutting down, setting fire to the trees, destroying Palestinian farmland. And so, you know, in the West Bank, I think is really when people say Israel is apartheid state, they're talking about the treatment of the millions of Palestinians that live in the West Bank. The situation for the Palestinians in, in Gaza before October 7th was far worse than, than even that. They were just trapped in there. A few thousand got to leave every day, do some work in Israel, made some income. Uh, but there was rampant unemployment, like 50% unemployment, mm. barely enough food and water to drink for most people. And, you know, the restrictions are at the place of the Israeli government. They, you know, don't let hardly any uh, aid get into Gaza. The fishermen can only go fish a couple miles off the coast and I mean, you know, we could just talk about restriction after restriction, but in 2018, the Palestinians that lived in Gaza uh, organized a peaceful march. They called it the March of Return and attempted to march uh, to yeah. the fence that separates uh, Gaza from southern Israel and the Israeli snipers opened fire and killed women, children, paraplegics, medics, you know, they, they shot a medic in the back, you know, journalists, people marked in press fest, you know, medics in white gowns with, uh, you know, I think they have red crescents. I don't think they have like crosses on them. Like in the West, they have like the crescent moons and things like that. And, you know, just, Killed killed people indiscriminately to and fired tear gas to push uh, the peaceful Palestinians back there and so. Uh, you know, when you talk about Israel's apartheid state, people like to try to cherry pick the, the small kind of percentage of Palestinians that live in Israel proper to say, oh, it's not an apartheid state when, you know, the majority of Palestinians live in far worse conditions than those. 
Well, isn't it? I mean, it's supposed to be a Jewish state. It's therefore, by definition, going to exclude non-Jews. All right. Well, non-Jews will have different rights. I mean, it's hard to like. It's ba- it's like their well, main. That's slogan, third law. You know? Yeah, the, so. you're citing Israeli law there. That that's just so people understand. Because I think you know people think, oh, this is just anti-profit. No, they have a Jewish nation state law on the books. You can look it up and read about and, it. And 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 wasn't it sort of this ratio of twenty percent allowing a twenty percent non-Jew established generations ago as like a target they decided could be allowed and tolerated within the within the the Israel have you I certainly I remember, remember I that. that as something some early Zionists said I don't know who that was and if that was somebody who ultimately you know because some of these statements are made by people who end up becoming prime minister of Israel or something and so that may have become official policy it also just may have been a number of Zionists throughout there but I'm pretty sure I do remember uh, Daryl Cooper martyr made bringing that up in his fantastic 26 hour podcast series fear and loathing in New, Jer- New Jerusalem I believe uh, it really I, I mean to if you want a good background on this, I, I mean, if you want, if you're if you're a reader, you want to read a book, check out Coming to Palestine. It's a Libertarian Institute book published by Sheldon Richmond. If you're somebody that's a podcast listener, check out the uh, uh, Daryl Cooper Martyr Made uh, series, uh, Fear and Loathing in New Jerusalem. It, it's absolutely excellent. Listen to the first one on normal speed. Then after that, you could do 1.5 or however fast you listen to podcasts. But uh, you know, he's a, a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say theatrical, but, you know, he puts a lot of work into reading his quotes. So they have a little bit of emotion and feeling it. And, you know, I, I think it helps uh, to understand some of the feelings going on. So I recommend at least on the first one, you know, listen to it in regular speed and everything to get all the, those dynamics. Isn't there like also a like a like a law like Jews can't marry Muslims in Israel? I, I don't know that I can't do marry know- non-Jews. I know that like even Palestinians that say uh, if like a Palestinian lives in East Jerusalem and another Palestinian lives in the West Bank or East Jerusalem and Israel like proper, then they have trouble marrying and getting the permission to live in the same community. And that's, you know, just an example of how much Israel restricts the the, the freedom of movement within even right. all the territory that's occupied by Israeli forces where Israel has the monopoly on violence. Right. But no, they won't recognize your uh, a marriage between a Jew and a non-Jew. They do not want to. This is part of their like we're a Jewish state and we're going to keep making sure you're having Jewish babies only. Yeah, you know, like, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I w- I just want to look and double check before I I commented. For yeah, sure that's why that. I was but like, I heard. I don't. That. I, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just. Yeah. I don't know I, I don't. when I I haven't heard that, but it, just because I haven't heard it doesn't mean it's not true. And, and certainly something like you know you you hear things about. Israel becoming, you know, passing a Jewish nation state law. And the first time you you blink at that, too, and you say, no, that's not right. And then you, you know, look at, at Israeli media and they're all saying, oh, yeah, this is great. We're passing a, a Jewish nation state law. And you're like, oh, right. I, this is happening. Dude, that's just and also forget about being gay and getting married in Israel, too. You're like, you know, forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's it's weird, man. Like I, I, it's like you hear. I just don't know how you hear all that, and like you know it to be like it's true. Like you can look this stuff up. It's it's like you said. It's not stuff that it's just like oh, you got to dig, and this was someone's. They wrote in a diary that this is how they really like. No, you can go and like they say it themselves. They pass it. You see it with your own eyes. You see dead babies just like constant. Like I can't turn on Twitter and not see dead children are like arms of like little kids hanging out of crushed rubble and like i just and then like there's pictures of before and after like you have gaza like towns that you see that are just right along the coast and it's just now just flat it's just completely flat with nothing there it's just ready to build like they get all the demo work now they're ready to build and put their new homes on the the corpses of of these like dead palestinian people i just i don't know how people can see that and there's not like well there's clearly a bad guy in here like okay what they did was messed up on on october 7th but history didn't start on october 7th like there was a before and there's an after and it's just been the the palestinians history did 
start on October 7th. Like at some point, like there, there has to be some kind of line that you will not cross. Right. Like if Israel says we are going to kill all 2.3 million Palestinians, are you, you know, people should be against that. Right. Like just because October 7th happened, that doesn't justify that. And uh, okay. They're not going that far, but they, they are going pretty far down that line. I mean, you know, one of the hospitals in Northern Gaza, uh, the, some UN, I think it was uh, World Health Organization staffers went to it and they said that basically the hospital is destroyed. They're not accepting patients. Israel arrested most of the doctors. So there's one or two doctors on staff, a few other like nurses that are basically just Palestinians who happen to be willing to volunteer and have no real medical experience whatsoever. The staff say they can't even walk around the hospital because there's injured people in every bed completely covering the floor and they're all laying there missing arms, legs, broken arms, legs. They said that, you know, there's people that, you know, in like the old cartoons where you have one broken arm and one broken leg and you're laying in the hospital bed, both suspended and everything. There's people like that. And they're just laying there begging for water because there is no water. All these people are, are dehydrating to death. And I, I mean, like this level of cruelty, there was another time where I really thought that this was Palestinian, uh, like call Hamas propaganda or whatever you want. They claimed that there were babies left on uh, yeah. babies left on a bed to decompose for weeks by the Israeli forces. And so. Just so people understand, this is what happens. The Israelis tell the Palestinians that they have to evacuate a hospital, right? But you can't walk out with more than you could carry. And so to transport a premature baby in a, in a certain case, you can't just carry that baby out of the hospital, right? You'll kill the baby doing so. It has to be transported in a certain kind of like incubator yeah. and all this. And the Israeli forces say you can't do that. And so the medical staff say, fine, we're going to leave these babies, but you have to go get them. And weeks later, they showed up and the babies uh, were had died and, and were just decomposing where the Israeli forces, you know, forced the hospital staff to leave them. And, and and again, initially, I thought there's no way that this could possibly be true. There's just there's no way that that people operate with this level of cruelty. And then it's confirmed there's by video. News. You, you know, video what I, of it. and it's just like, so sad. I've seen so the video and I comprehend it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've heard about um, medical relief shipments where they go in and take out the anesthetic and just to you know, like. So I, I heard that uh, today on Matt's Blumenthal, the Sanitaire Mate. I've been looking uh, for the citation just for myself to have it. Uh, but I do know that Israel is really restricting the aid that gets into Gaza. Uh, Senator Chris Van Hollen, I think that might be one of your senders, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Wait, who, we, we, don't, we can't afford a senator around here. Who do you think we are? <laughs> not, to, not to say anything nice about the guy, but the guy did, uh, you know, say some truth about the matter that the Israeli inspection regime for allowing aid into Gaza is the most restrictive that international aid agencies have faced. And he says that they find a, even one item that they don't like on a truck, they'll reject the whole truck and send it around. And, you know, even international, uh, like the international community, countries like France have protested how Israel is restricting aid going into Gaza. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of countries that really aren't happy about because they're the ones trying to finance the aid going into Gaza and Israel is restricting it and setting up this uh, onerous inspections, you know, uh, compliance system. Wow. That's that's rough, man. And uh, mm. I'm glad you're here to kind of like kind of talk because this is all stuff that we see. And it's just like hearing like you just like I said, you hear people even in our movement say like, oh, that's just propaganda. Or, oh, well, what about this? This blah, 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 blah. So it's like it's good to get like a perspective. I always love listening to you and everyone else at the Institute. So we're kind of running up on it right now. We're going to go probably head over to the After Hours podcast. You cool to hang out with us for a little bit longer? Yeah. Yeah. Just let me one more thing real quick. So sure. sure. You know, I just want I know that there's a, a lot of hatred that exists between the Israel and, and you know, Palestinians and, and that that that's a long hatred. And the reason that I take the position that I take is because 
if my government was arming Hamas, then I have a big problem with, with what Hamas, you know, is doing and has done and everything. But the U.S. is arming Israel and really bad since supports Israel and allow Israel to do everything it's doing. And Israel's also, the one that's arming Hamas, right? So is that, is that I mean, right? yeah, for so. a long time, Netanyahu's policy has been to prop up and support Hamas right. because Netanyahu sees Hamas as uh, the golden ticket to not having to negotiate on two-state solution so long as Hamas is as controlling the, the Gaza Strip, then how can we allow this terrorist state to form? And so we can't negotiate with the Palestinians whatsoever. So, you know, the, the real issue and the real reason that Americans need to intervene here is because the level of support that the U.S. gives Israel allows Israel to do what it's doing in Gaza. And, yep. you know, we, we should, as libertarians, at least, we should hold the position that if the U.S. was backing Hamas in the way that's Israel, we would oppose that too. And there's also, you know, the facts on the ground that, if one side, even if both sides wanted to carry out a genocide, one is capable and the other isn't, right? Like, you know, one side has all the military power in this conflict and the other side has homemade rockets and rifles, right? And and so, you know, on, on those grounds, the fear shouldn't be that the Palestinians are going to commit genocide against the Israelis. It's right. that the Israelis have the motive and the capability to commit genocide against the Israelis. And with the U.S. backing, they get the international cover and the weapon supply they need to, to make that happen. And so uh, we are seeing that unfold right now in Gaza. Nice. Thanks, man. Well, uh, dude, tell everyone where they can find you if they already don't if they don't know. Yeah, so I write for the Libertarian Institute and antiwar.com uh, all day, every day. I, I'm you know covering the foreign policy stuff, not just Israel. I spend a lot of time covering the situation in Korea. Uh, there's a lot going on there. Uh, you know, for years I covered the war in Ukraine or you know the war in Yemen and Afghanistan. So uh, this is you know been a long time covering U.S. foreign policy and interventions around the world. Uh, I'm the opinion editor. At antiwar.com. I co-host Conflicts of Interest with Connor Freeman. And uh, if you like my appearance here, uh, I will be on Judge Napolitano's show, Judging Freedom, this Thursday at nice. 2 o'clock Eastern time. Nice. If, awesome. he, if he wants you to shovel snow, say no. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. All right. Well, dude, thanks for coming on. And uh, we're going we're gonna to hop on over to our After Hours podcast right after this. Um, we record that... Um, uh, if you guys go to patreon.com slash punk rock libertarians uh, you get to see all the tiers and stuff uh, but as uh, I think the lowest tier is three dollars that's it it's only three dollars you get the every month uh, you know every week you get a new uh, exclusive podcast we're gonna send you a direct link uh, YouTube link so you can comment while we record live and if not you know you can always catch it on your podcast or later uh, but yeah PRL um, yeah, what's that? Patreon.com slash punk rock libertarians. And there's other ways to donate to the show if you go to PRLfans.com. And uh, you guys can find our links for Bitcoin and our PayPal and stuff like that. And uh, we also have t shirts for sale over at libertariancountry.com. If you use the code PRL or PRL podcast, you get a 10% discount. If you spend $50 or more, you'll get a 20% discount with the code PRL2. So until next time, everybody, live free or die. Statism could break with the blood that is shed. Drenching the flags on the tax bombs in red. Was it by a few at the expense of the many? So did the gods and the machine. You can't justify killing by economic gain. For God, country, and democracy. You can put freedom in death point in a far land. You suffer the truth, then bring them home.